Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clatch. This is Marianne Russo. I'd like to say hello and acknowledge my co-hosts tonight, Mae Wilkinson and Chuck Wally. They are on our Twitter tweet chat where we have a simultaneous chat going on. You can join us there using the hashtag TCK. And you can pose questions for me or you can call in later in the interview. And that number is 646-595-2881. I have a bit of a long-winded introduction for tonight and it's for good reason. Um, you know, I have the privilege of speaking to thousands of parents of children with special needs, you know, of, of all kinds. And one of the things I hear over and over is their frustration with the lack of effect from many traditional therapies and medications. You know, whether it's learning disabilities, autism, ADHD, mental illness, sensory processing disorder, I mean, parents are looking for alternatives. So tonight we bring you what I believe is um, you know, one of the most important interviews we are going to be presenting here on the Coffee Clatch. And not only are we introducing you to cutting-edge um, research program, um, but we're also bringing you an expert who will explain what is different about our kids' brains and teach us how the brain can be re- reprogrammed, how it can repair itself. Um, you know, a little bit about the integrated listening systems, which is the baby of Dr. Ron Minson. Um, Let me just read a little bit for you. Often our learning tools are putting a roof on a weak foundation. The acquisition of reading, writing, math, and other academic skills is dependent upon a normally developed nervous system. Communication between the two hemispheres and integration of sensory input from the eyes, ears, and motor system must be intact to accomplish the goals of education intervention. Dr. Minson is the co-developer of STAR. If you don't know what STAR is, um, STAR is the Sensory Therapies and Research. And, um, you know, with Dr. Lucy Jane Miller, who has been our guest before, and um, it is probably the most prominent sensory processing research foundation in the country. I want to read just two two quick reviews um, about integrated listening systems. We consistently see excellent results with ILS with regard to attention and learning problems. ILS works at a neurological level, so it is a great complement to behavioral, cognitive, and medical approaches we use at Hallowell Centers by Dr. Edward Hallowell, author of Driven to Distraction. We have a physical therapist who writes, our gains were so dramatic that our principal will buy two units for the next year's use. Probably our most dramatic case was with our student with autism. He read on grade level with 100% comprehension on his assessment last week, and his mother reports he does not get car sick anymore. We are so excited about these results at our schools. Eileen Engel, physical therapist. Don Rinson. Is Minson is the brilliance behind integrated listening systems, and he's going to speak to us from several perspectives, from a physician, from the developer, and as a parent of a child with special needs who saw a void and he filled it. So, I mean, I have been waiting weeks to say this, but it is a pleasure to introduce Dr. Ron Minson. Welcome. Thank you very much, Marianne. It's a pleasure to be with you as well. Uh, you know, we spoke earlier in the week, and, um, you know, I just I thought that we'd start off the interview tonight by talking about neuroplasticity because, you know, I think it's so important for parents, first of all, to understand what it is, um, how it affects their child, and I think more than anything, it's going to give a lot of parents hope that they've lost. So can you first just tell us what neuroplasticity is and how it affects children and adults? 
I'd be very happy to. It very simply put, neuroplasticity is basically the ability of the brain to change form and function in response to stimulation. So whenever we learn anything new, anything, be it a, a skill, a motor skill, or some information, that information is stored in the brain in what we call the synapse. This is the little connection between neurons. The brain is composed of over a hundred billion neurons, and there are a thousand times more than that in terms of connections, where one neuron has this long fiber that connects to other neurons through a synapse. There's not actually a direct contact between one neuron and the other, but this little gap. And most people have heard about neurotransmitters that are the chemicals that uh, leave the sending axon and go to the receiving dendrites. So whenever we learn something new, there's a change in the activity and the performance of those connections called synapses. And the more those synapses are stimulated, they develop something called uh, potentiation, where they are more able to respond to a stimulus in the future. The brain also responds well in terms of growth and development to what we call input based on frequency, intensity, and duration. So the more often a particular intervention is administered, and if it has the right amount of intensity or attention-grabbing faculties over a long enough period of time, there are definite changes within the brain. So hopefully that's just at least a, a brief description of uh, neuroplasticity, and it, it was one of the greatest, uh, gave most of us a great deal of hope when in the 1990s this was finally established as fact, not fiction, that the brain, and, and it isn't limited to by age, it can regrow new connections and uh, respond to input throughout the lifespan. And, you know, I, w I actually had a question um, from one of the um, our followers, and um, she was very surprised because I've been sending out some tweets all day about neuroplasticity. And, um, you know, she was just really adamant that she was told that, um, you know, by five years the myelin sheath um, was formed, and that's why early intervention was so important. I, I believe her child has autism. And, um, you know, my understanding is that the myelin sheath is, is really not neuroplasticity. So, you know, I think a lot of parents feel that, um, you know, if they don't catch this very early, that there's really little hope for change. And, you know, that's really wrong. That's absolutely wrong. Yeah, we see change throughout the lifespan, as mentioned. And uh, a good example of that are people who've had mild traumatic brain injuries where there's been brain injury, and we see a great deal of repair. However, I might suggest that the brain, obviously, the earlier we can intervene, the better. But the the myelin sheath, which is formed by certain cells called glial cells, when a neuron is stimulated over and over again, or rather when you have this neuroplasticity and there are more neuro neuronal connections, even new neurons can be developed, the glial cells also increase their activity. So there can be an additional laying down of um, of the myelin sheath over the, the axon projections. So there's growth at many, many levels, at below the level of the cortex uh, and the cortex and also these glial cells. They're all part of the neoplasticity phenomenon. Okay, and, you know, as far as um, autism, because autism, a lot of the children develop um, skills, and then, you know, they regress. 
So, you know, how how does that factor into to all of this? And neuroplasticity, I mean, I'm just mentioning autism now, but, you know, this is, neuroplasticity affects everything. It, it does, and unfortunately we don't know why a child will be developing normally and then have a regression. But in your wonderful introduction where you talked about uh, brain, uh, the development of a healthy system, neurological system, requires that the roof be functioning normally. The problem with many interventions, and this is what I ran across when my daughter was suffering with her difficulties of dyslexia, many of the interventions are language-based, they might be cognitive-based, behaviorally-based, and they're working at the cortical level, that that's three-millimeter section of the brain that we all recognize as the gray matter, and it's that wrinkled surface on a brain. But that part of the brain receives all of its information from sensory input, the visual, the auditory, smell, taste, touch, the joint receptors, the, the muscle receptors. That has to go through the brain stem, through the cerebellum, and also most of it through the thalamus. These are what we call subcortical structures. And many therapies are addressing the, the cortical area, and the gains keep collapsing or take forever to achieve. When the input is given to those subcortical structures and the processing subcortically is improved, then the cortical function also improves. In other words, if you have faulty input to the cortex, you're going to have faulty output. I don't know that I'm addressing your question about autism, but we know with autistic children they have multiple difficulties in many different areas, auditory processing, right. sensory processing, attention concentration, language is a huge issue for the autistic child. And uh, in fact, using ILS, we have seen remarkable improvements in almost every child that we've had either ourselves or our practitioners work with in, on the autistic spectrum. Well, I have to tell you, I do my homework. And um, I did some poking around. And I can tell you that the, the reviews are just unbelievable. I mean, these are from parents. Um, you know, the parents that are using this system are, are telling me that within one to two weeks, they're seeing huge gains. And, um, you know, as we're going to talk about it, you know, it's, it, what, what really is amazing to me is that the gains are in such a, a, a wide array of areas. Um, you know, so, you know, why don't we start by talking about, you know, your motivation for this? Because this was, you know, a personal endeavor for you as well. It was indeed, Marianne, and uh, my youngest daughter had uh, looked eagerly into going to school because she had two older siblings who loved it, but it wasn't long before she began uh, having a lot of anxiety and a difficulty with attention, and we realized through the advice of an expert that she had dyslexia, which simply means a reading problem. And again, that doesn't sound so serious, but as time went on and we tried speech and language therapy and tutors and uh, special education for reasons that aren't always clear, her dyslexia, her inability to read, to do math, to remember facts, to decode the sound symbols that we have to do for reading, never improved. And obviously, after a while, she became quite dispirited, uh, very low mood, quite anxious, and, and by the time she's in junior high and high school, was really wishing that she could find a way out of this painful uh, existence of hers. And I heard about a, an intervention that to my medical ears sounded very, very strange, and I was quite skeptical, 
But to my parents' ears, I said, we must do something. This little girl is just uh, in a very dark place, and she's nothing that we've tried, including medications and various types of therapy, have brought any positive result. So that was the Tomatis method, developed by a French ear, nose, and throat physician in France. And we did the program together. Two major things occurred remarkably fast. The first one was that her mood improved. She had better energy, eye contact. She just felt better about herself, more optimistic. She was hopeful for the first time in probably 10 years. And then uh, gradually her ability to express herself, to find the words that would communicate what she was feeling, and then to read and remember facts, math facts, and uh, uh, spelling facts and so forth just became, uh, they, they improved exponentially over the next few weeks. So ultimately, Erica was able, to, my daughter was able to have a life that she never thought she would have, and we as parents feared that would not uh, not happen either. So shortly after that, she uh, got a job. She had trouble keeping jobs before because of her dyslexia and the low mood. Uh, and ultimately wound working in the banking industry, of all things. So she has a life that we never thought she would have before. And that was so compelling to me as a parent and a physician who had worked with people with low moods and anxieties, requiring medication at times. Here's something that didn't require medication, had no side effects, was non-invasive, and improved. So I did get trained. I went to France and trained with Dr. Tomatis over the next several months and uh, was so impressed by the changes and results I was seeing through a number of clinics throughout Europe that I visited that my wife decided to support me for one year uh, doing this work, and 20 years later she <laughs> is still working away at this, and she and Randall actually formed the company of ILS. Well, I mean, it's just it's incredible because, you know, it, it's the passion, you know, you know, the love for your child that, you know, made you seek this out. And, you know, what you did is, is what so many other parents do. And you were, you know, you had the ability to, to be able to go over there and do that. Uh, you know, and like you said, you're talking about weeks. And, you know, when I read that and, you know, I spoke to you and I'm saying weeks, I mean, parents are struggling for years, like decades. I'm telling you, these parents are telling me the difference was in weeks. Um, there are differences within weeks, but yet rather than become too overzealous about that, uh, if a child who has a severe neurodevelopmental delay, like a severe autism, we may be talking months uh, before we see, well, we'll see some changes early. I, I should retract that a little bit. It might be helpful to say what are some of the first things we see. One of the first things that we see are children are calmer, they're more receptive, they're more relaxed. I think it's having a tremendous effect on the autonomic nervous system, the part that has to do with feeling calm and digesting our food and relaxed. So many children with these difficulties have gotten stuck in the fight-flight part of the nervous system, and therefore they're not available or able to take in learning and new information. So once right. we can calm down that, that sympathetic fight-flight system, one of the first things we see is calm, increased attention, increased focus, relax, better sleep. And then from then it depends upon the presenting symptoms or problems that they're having, what changes might occur from there. And, you know, I talk about it all the time. I talk about the amygdala, and I tell a parent, any parent that has a child with a depressive mood, anxiety, really just take some time and learn about the amygdala because, you know, parents are so 
you know, they're, they're so eager to make their child happy that they're not giving them the tools to make them calm. And, like I, you know, what I learned was that, you know, make them calm first and the happy will follow. That um, is so true, especially when after being calmer, so they can be, they need to be able to be available to learn. And that's probably one of the main things that we see with the ILS is the child is calmer, they have the appropriate amount of arousal, they're able to control their body and all the fidgeting movements that distract them so that now they're available to take in the tutoring uh, help that they're getting, the special education help, whatever extra help they're getting, now they can integrate it. They can take it in and process it. So that's really, you, you raise a very, very important point there. The amygdala, since you've mentioned it, there are connections from the sound therapy part of what we do directly to the amygdala and the hippocampus so that we know that by using the Mozart music, which is part of our therapy system, that we're directly affecting that part of the brain that has to do with that fear response, that response that recognizes something as being dangerous. And in fact, maybe it isn't dangerous. A child might have had an experience at a birthday party where he has this very painful hypersensitivity to sound. So all you have to do is mention birthday party and he begins to become panicky because that's a trigger for his remembering what that was like. And through this work, there are direct connections to the different parts of the brain that help it to calm down, to attend, and to focus, and to have the appropriate amount of arousal for learning. Well, you're mentioning a birthday party, which, you know, obviously isn't, um, you know, what I'm going to be asking, but it triggered in my mind. I mean, would this might be, would this, I'm asking you, would this be effective for a post-traumatic stress type disorder then? It is effective with that, definitely. Okay. Well, why don't we, why don't you tell us, um, well, why don't we start with, you know, who can benefit from this system and what improvements do you see? You know, by disorder. So, you know, say ADHD, sensory processing, autism, depression. Um, you know, who who does it help and in what areas do you see improvement? Okay, who it can help. Um, we have worked with children as uh, young as three to six months of age, including toddlers, a little older, as well as seniors. So because we're working with improving brain function, we don't talk about it quite so much in terms of diagnosis or disorder as we do as the improving the brain function regardless of what a person comes with. So with people who have a label of ADHD, they do find that they are improving their concentration, their attention, their focus, their ability to sustain that attention, and the ability to have better impulse control and better emotional regulation. Dyslexia, which was obviously very close to my heart because of my daughter's difficulties, also we find tremendous improvements in that area. We now recognize that for the most part, many cases of dyslexia are due to an auditory processing problem. The children often can't decode or connect the visual symbol with the sound symbol, or they have poor processing speeds, or they can't sequentially process. Children with any kind of motor balance coordination problem, uh, also this is tremendously helped by the system that we use. The body really needs to be organized uh, in order for the brain to be able to do its higher functioning capacities. 
So auditory processing, sensory processing, ADHD, those kinds of presenting symptoms, reading and learning disabilities, autism, Down syndrome. We've had wonderful success in helping Down syndrome, particularly because they have uh, almost always some language delays and language problems, often articulation. Articulation disorders and mild traumatic brain injury, and even adults with low mood or anxiety, and finally, to adults who just want to be able to attend better, to have more sustained attention, to be able to maximize their potential so you don't have to have a, quote, a label or a diagnosis to be able to uh, to benefit. Oh, I mean, I love it. You know, I, I love that, um, you know, basically, you, you know, you, you're um, not pinning things on the labels because, you know, these labels are uh, ridiculous. I mean, especially for, I mean, I know we need them for insurance reasons, but, you know, labels are for designer clothing, not for uh, our kids. Um, <laughs> you know, I just, I, I, I've had so many labels thrown at my child, it was ridiculous. Um, what, so tell us, what is the integrated learning system? You know, describe it to us and tell us how it works. Okay, it's actually called the integrated listening system, but I understand why you would say learning system because that's a big part of, of what the outcome uh, produces. So integrated listening system is a multi-sensory, simultaneous multi-sensory system that helps brain function. So if I could, I'll try to describe a visual picture for our listeners. First of all, imagine a very high-quality headphone when we get this headphone, we actually strip it down and replace all the wiring with very, very high-quality wiring. And while it's stripped down, we place something called a bone conductor in the top of the band that goes across the skull. The bone conductor is this little vibrator, almost like a hearing aid. And that provides sound to the ear and the vestibular system, as well as the air conduction. Many people may not realize that we actually do hear both through bone, which is our own voice when we're speaking, as well as through air when we're listening to someone else. But this bone conductor provides a profound input to the part of the ear that has to do with our balance, coordination, rhythm, muscle tone, and so forth. Then the wires from air and bone conduction have been combined into one wire that plug into an amplifier. Before I get to the amplifier, I should mention that the music that we used, all of which has been specially treated and treated according to taking some frequencies out and leaving other ones in to get the desired outcomes that we're looking for. It's on an iPod, and then the iPod, people know, can certainly power air conduction headphones, but because it can't power the bone conductor, we have had to develop an amplifier. So the amplifier provides the volume for both air and bone conduction. And all of this, the iPod sits piggyback on the amplifier that then goes into a waste pack. So the person using the system, usually children, their arms and legs and hands are free for movement. And then that moves me into the next part for the first 17 years or so of using this type of therapy, I was only using the air and bone conduction and specifically treated, psychoacoustically treated music. But after doing training uh, of people, which I started 10 years ago, 
it became very, very clear very rapidly that combining movement and visual activities increased the benefit of the listening system that we had developed previously. Many OTs who were trained by me and were using this in their clinic began to see changes within a few weeks to months that used to take a year or two or more to achieve. So the whole then became greater than the sum of the parts. So now if you can imagine someone listening with these headphones, they have a little waist pack on to carry the amplifier and the iPod, and while doing that, they're juggling maybe some bean bags, so we're working on eye tracking and hand-eye coordination. Then as they get proficient with that, we'll have them stand on a balance board. So now we're really challenging the brain by having it balanced while doing this visual eye-hand coordination exercise. And then the, there are, there's a tennis ball that can be hung from the ceiling for other visual tracking exercises. Um, there's a, a small racquetball that can be used for other high-hand coordination exercises. To, get to, to make this more simple, there, it also comes with a playbook. And the playbook has all of these different activities that a person can do while they're doing their listening. So in summary, it's a multi-sensory, simultaneous multi-sensory input to the brain. Something I didn't mention in the discussion of neuroplasticity, something called Hebb's Law, which says that neurons that fire together, wire together. This is crucial. Let's take reading. When you're reading, you have a visual symbol. It has to connect from the visual part of the brain to the auditory part of the brain to find the sound that goes to that particular symbol. And then if we're reading out loud and articulating, there's a motor component that also has to be brought into play. So when you're doing an activity that has input from several different sources and they're firing simultaneously, you are strengthening the connections between the visual the auditory, the vestibular or balance, or in some cases the motor system. So that's very important to recognize, and I think that uh, recognizing the importance of this helps us to appreciate why some therapies don't work because they're working at the cortical or roof level, and once that foundation is in place subcortically, then the cortex is ready and available to learn. Right, and you know, and I think that's why parents are so frustrated because they're really not getting to the root. You know, you talk about um, you know the system and how it it really um, changes the connections. Um, but does, does this does the neuroplasticity involved in this? Does do they develop new um, pathways, or are the pathways repaired? Well, repaired I'm not sure about because we're not sure they're injured per se, but you're, the, the answer to your question is yes, we definitely make new pathways. Every time there is new learning, the, the neuron makes these, these the, they actually improve the transmission at the synapse that exists, but with more and more stimulation, new synapses are created. So on brain maps, they can actually show this increase in volume. Uh, increase in structure of the brain, so it is definitely creating new synapses or new brain connections. And many of these problems that we're confronted with these days are problems of lacking connection. They're, they're connectivity problems. 
The second answer to your question is yes, it also improves existing synapses. It improves their transmission, speed of transmission, and strength of transmission through repeated stimulation. I mean, one of the biggest problems that parents have, and one of my co-hosts, is focus. Uh, focus with a lot of different disorders, um, whether ADHD is comorbid or if it's just dimensional. Um, they have a lot of problems with, because a lot of kids just don't do well on the stimulants. Um, so, you know, how could um, this, you know, how could integrated uh, listening systems help with focus? That's a really, really good question. So, focus and attention are really higher brain functions. When we look at brain maps of children with ADD or ADHD, it shows particular areas of the brain as being hypo-functioning. They're, they're low in their amount of energy that they have to function. But in fact, the cortex of the brain in those areas is actually normal. The problem is that the input from below is not. So stimulants do provide extra energy through dopamine and other neurotransmitters to that part of the brain, so oftentimes they can attend and focus better. But as we know, medications go to the whole body. So we often also have a number of negative side effects that we side effects that we would prefer not to have. By using sound, movement, proprioception, visual stimulation, working at the, the lower levels of brain function, you're improving the input to those areas of hypofunction. Another aspect of difficulty with attention is if a child has any kind of motor problem, a motor planning problem, then so much of their attention and concentration necessities are being usurped by the need to control the body. So if they're fidgety and can't sit still or they have all this distraction, they, they don't have the ability to attend until the body is organized, the subcortical systems are organized. And when that takes place, then they can attend and then they can focus. Because, you know, I speak with experts all the time, especially those, um, you know, experts and world-renowned experts in ADHD, and, you know, they really feel that the stimulants and, you know, the newer non-stimulant medications work well. I'm not seeing it. I'm not hearing that through the parents. Um, and I'm not the expert. I am not a doctor, but I'm, I'm just relaying what I'm hearing from the parents, that the stimulants are not working. Where they may in some ways help with the, the focus, they are really... Um, you know, hurting other areas of mood, rage, mania. Um, so, you know, parents are really looking for, um, you know, for an alternative. And, you know, educating these kids is one of the hardest parts of raising a special needs child. So, um, you know, if, it, if this helps with focus, you know, that's, that's a big piece of the component for the parents. And the side effects of the medications. You know, and I am not anti-medication, and, you know, I think medication has its place. But the side effects keep us up at night. I'm sure, as you know, you said you know you you went through this with your daughter. Um, you know, are there any possible side effects of the um, integrated listening system? Not really. Um, that, that's that's a very good question. I just want to back up for a moment to mention uh, you talked about Dr. Ned Hollowell, the author of Driven to Distraction, and his mm -hmm. uh, co-author, Dr. John Rady. Uh, Dr. Hollowell is totally behind the integrated listening system and would certainly prefer it first over medications. 
The other problem with medications is they're not getting at the root cause. They're getting more at the symptoms at that cortical level. So the ILS is getting more at the, at the root cause. The side effect issue, the only side effect that I'm convinced of is occasionally it may not work. Now, having said that, that occasionally when children start to listen and they have a very sensitive nervous system and we're giving this sensory input, they may find at times that it's almost too much. They may feel a little irritable, they may feel fussy, they may display behaviors that say, I have to slow down. Those aren't side effects so much as they are the brain and the body telling us we're doing the right thing, but we have to go slower. So since some parents have seen children have uh, a little bit of irritability or whatever due to this, uh, it's just a matter of titrating how much input at any one time they need. But there are, other than that, there are no side effects whatsoever. Hmm. <clears throat> That's a blessing for parents. You know, and as we said, this isn't just for children. Um, you know, adults, there are, you know, the uh, the adult ASPE population is growing. It's going to grow by leaps and bounds. Um, you know, ADHD, you know, the apples don't fall far from the trees. Um, so, you know, what about a parent who, you know, shares a disorder in the child and, um, you know, they're taking medications. Is there any type of a conflict between somebody on medication and can this hopefully reduce or, you know, hopefully get them off medication? Yes, it definitely can. And uh, the first part of your question, is there any contraindication to using this system with someone who's on medication? The answer is no. Obviously, they would need to talk to their doctor about making any adjustments <clears throat> to medication dosages, but they would start this program and intervention while on medication. Many, many people during the first 17 years of using the sound therapy in particular, I have taken hundreds of children off of stimulants, adults off of antidepressants, and other medications. So unequivocally, yes, people do get off medication. They do find that when the brain is functioning better, the neurotransmitters are either more available or the neurons are more receptive to them, that they either decrease or ultimately get off the medications that they were currently on. We have this reported all the time, not only by my personal experience, but also by those practitioners that we have trained. Right. And, you know, I am really hoping people try this. You are just so generous that you've sent me a system. I'm going to be starting that um, with her. Um, you know, as some of you may know, my daughter had um, a head injury a few years ago, and she's had significant problems over the past couple of months. And uh, we're finally getting control of the pain management, and we're absolutely going to be starting this system. And, you know, that said, um, you know, this is my neurotypical child. Um, this system helps for children and adults who have had head injuries. Um, you know, and, and what I wanted to just say, though, is that I, I'm really hoping people um, will consider this for their child. Um, but when you do... And when you see progress, please just speak to your child's physician before you start weaning the child off medications because it, it is a process. Um, do you, what are the research um, and case studies telling you about the product? We're looking forward to doing a lot more research, particularly with the controlled studies. But we have uh, on our website, integratedlistening.com, a number of research or uh, more case study articles that a person can look into. Um, we, we put out a newsletter every month and uh, a case study every month. 
So what we're finding is that our clinicians who are using this in the field are, are seeing tremendous results. One that comes to mind immediately is a pediatrician whose daughter had uh, autism. She had been in a clinic for four years with gradual progress, but when they added the ILS system to her OT therapy, within six months, their doctor said, you have to take the autistic label off of that child because they no she no longer has any symptoms at all of autism. This is reported by a mother who's a pediatrician, and that story is also on our website. We have a number of research projects uh, in the works at the present. Some will be working through schools and working on autistic population. Um, so the research has been the hardest part to achieve in terms of the kind of research that scientists like. Uh, be honest with you, if I'd waited for, waited for the research for my child, who knows what might have happened. And I've had many parents say my child would be dead if I waited for the research. I think it's important. I think it's very, very ne necessary. <clears throat> and right now we're relying on the tremendous positive feedback we're getting from people. Uh, another case comes to my mind that I uh, had early, early in my practice, a little girl who had a significant reading and attention problem. And I asked this sweetheart, she's about 10 years old, uh, what she wants to be when she grows up. She said, well, I want to be a teacher. And she looked sad and dejected, and she said, but I can't. I said, well, why not? She said, well, I'm not smart. I get all Ds and Fs. So she started the listening part of the program, and within three months, she came in later, pigtails, freckles, smiling from ear to ear, and I said, wow, something sure happened in your life. What's going on? She said, well, I'm smart now and she was getting A's and B's. As you said before, this, this keeps me going, and it's the passion that drives what I'm doing. And yet, to get back to adults and neurotypical or normal functioning people, when a parent may purchase this system and use it for their child who has a lot of difficulties, generally other siblings can use this. I've had many reports of parents who said, I have a child getting ready to go to college and uh, they just have a little difficulty concentrating or they can't articulate their ideas. So we see tremendous changes in people who don't have a diagnosis or a label who would say are neurotypical or normal developing children, siblings. And I always encourage the parents to do some listening as well and do the activities, do the movement, do the balance board. Give your brain all the gymnastics that it can possibly handle because you're only going to feel better and you're going to perform better. Um, you know, I wanted to ask, you know, there, I know that there is, <clears throat> excuse me, um, a difference between a program and a system. So can you just briefly tell us what is the difference between the program, the system, um, how often would this need to be done? Is it done every day? How many days a week? How many hours? What is the usual for the, for the uh, program and the system? Okay. Very simply, the system is what I described early, earlier. So it is the, um, the equipment, the headphones, the amplifier, the iPod, <clears throat> the balance board, and all of the other uh, things that we have that people do while they're doing what would be called the program. A program is a number of sessions of listening combined with the playbook activities. Most programs are about 40 sessions long at a frequency of three times a week. And these can be done at almost any schedule during the week, like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and take a few days off. 
The sessions are one hour long, so one hour long, three to four, or even five times a week. What parents like a great deal about this system or the, the programs, or the system and programs, is it how flexible it is that it can be used at home or schools or clinics. Uh, it can fit into busy listening, uh, busy schedules rather. It can be done uh, while taking a walk, walking the dog, doing yoga, exercises. Oh, I didn't realize that. Oh, terrific. Oh, absolutely. It's so nice. And I, I like can for people to get outdoors. School, uh... We do discourage any kind of reading or cognitive activity during the, the right. listening and activities. It's also child-driven. The child gets to say, I want to do this exercise, or I want to listen during this time. You can negotiate to help them comply with the, the requirements, if you will. So it's very, very flexible. And um, I would assume that a parent would need to, well, I'm assuming that a parent would need to be trained in this. And my next question is, um, <clears throat> since this is very portable, could this be put into a child's IEP? Could this be used at school? And is it easily, could teachers easily be trained? Absolutely, and we have this in a number of schools. And Marianne, you've just touched on something that's very close to my heart because when I first began using this in a clinic, I saw the tremendous benefit that people were receiving, and yet it was clinic-based, it was expensive, and not as accessible because there weren't that many trained in the country using our work. So we followed the progress of technology and miniaturization and more powerful uh, electronics that got smaller and smaller. So then in 2007, we were able to make the ILS system that then can be used at home, in clinics, in schools. We have it in hospitals. There's even a school uh, outside of Denver in Adams County that I think is on the website where the teachers uh, got together themselves and purchased a system to use. So it can be you fit into an IEP program. It can be fit into their PE class. It can be fit into an art class. Very, very flexible that way. And, um, you know, what is the cost <clears throat> of this system? The system, before I answer that, I'll actually answer that, and then I have, want to go back to your previous question. Uh, the cost varies, but generally it's between $700 for certain systems up to $1,800. And this segues into parents can purchase this directly from ILS, but we prefer, rather, that they go through one of the over several thousand specialists that we have trained. ILS has trained uh, speech and language therapists, occupational therapists, physical therapists, educators, uh, psychologists, and, and others. So we would prefer that they go through a clinician that we've trained so that they get the correct supervision, they have the help on how to use the system, how to implement the program. Um, I hope I've answered that question in terms of cost, but also implementation. Ideally, we would prefer they go through a trained professional. If someone lives in an area where there's no one nearby, then we would sell a system to that parent. They may or may not get trained, depending upon their qualifications, but I or Kate would be able to supervise them on a program for themselves or a loved one or a child. Well, my brother's a physical therapist, and I'll be calling him in the morning. Um, <laughs> Wonderful. I'd love to hear from him, too. And, you know, going through um, a district, you know, is that a possibility, too? I mean, it'll, if a child is in a school that has, you know, special needs or, um, you know, a special services school, you know, maybe you could speak to your uh, school about getting a unit. Um, 
you know, before we we take a few callers here, um, you know, what are the most important points that you would like parents to know about your system? And, you know, what makes it different than other things that are out there? Well, some of the most important points, I think, is it is safe, it is effective, it is flexible, it's easy to use. I think another main point that I'd like to make is that it really addresses the neurological difficulties that lie at the core or at the source of many of the learning, developmental, and educational problems that parents are having or seeing with their children. And we all know that these difficulties and problems are on the, on the, on the rise and they're increasing all the time. So it has a global effect on brain function uh, by virtue of the simultaneous input. And I would like to say it's fun. You know, if we don't have kids object, initially if they have some tactile sensitivity or sound sensitivity, it may take a while for them to get used to the headphones. But very quickly they have fun. They enjoy it. And my gosh, anytime you can have a therapeutic in- intervention that is fun and enjoyable to do, you're just increasing its likelihood of success. Um, you know, I don't want to push it because, I mean, it's it's just incredible. But one thing that I, we didn't discuss um, is social issues. Um, you know, many of these kids with developmental problems, um, you know, have social problems interacting with others. Can we even hope? <laughs> Does this affect them and help kids with their social skills at all? Absolutely. We see this all the time. And I was just talking with a therapist recently who was working with someone who's child had terrible articulation problems. It reminds me of a young boy who talked like he had uh, oatmeal in his mouth, and he had slow processing speed. His, he'd be with his buddies, and by the time he, time he could interject a comment, the conversation had already moved on elsewhere, and he looked odd and peculiar, and he was socially isolated. And by, <clears throat> by all means, many, many, many children uh, find themselves having uh, a social life that they never had before. This first clinician I was just mentioning a moment ago said that this child was now had the phone ringing off the her- hook, whereas before this little uh, young girl was a social isolated. She was uh, a misfit. She couldn't communicate, articulate her ideas to express herself and her feelings. So uh, it definitely affects socialization skills. Well, that's just incredible. I'm going to try to take a few calls. Let's see if... Um Everybody's still holding on. Let's see. Area code uh, 703. Hey, Marianne. This is Chuck. How are you doing? Hey, Chuck. Good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. Dr. Minson, I have a question. Um, my son is an alumnus of the Tomatis uh, method, and uh, and that was about, oh, about uh, 12, 13 years ago. And I, I, I understand that, um, you know, you've taken this, this quite a, quite a ways from, from where that was. And um, for everybody who really doesn't understand what the Tomatis method was, I mean, it, w- it was a very uh, intensive process that took, you know, a lot of my time. There were, were several uh, two-week loops that we went through. I had to drive an hour to take my son to, uh, you know, to the clinic where, where this took place. And I felt really fortunate because there were a lot of parents who traveled you know, um, you know, several, several hours, and they, you know, literally stayed in, in campgrounds and, you know, low-budget hotels and, and were on budgets of $20 a day. Um, so, you know, uh, I, I thank you for making this method uh, more accessible to everybody. 
my my question is uh the method itself do do you would would a parent go to a practitioner three times a week to go through this method or would this be something that would happen at home very good question, and thank you for um, <laughs> acknowledging the change that we made. I, when you mentioned Dr. Tomatis, I have a very, very fond place in my heart for Dr. Tomatis because he actually uh, brought my daughter out of her isolation from her severe dyslexia, and uh, I did the Tomatis method in our clinic for about 12 years before developing our own system. And you're right, 25% of our clients when we had a clinic uh, we're actually out of state at considerable expense. So we are grateful and uh, blessed with the opportunity to be having this system now that is available in homes. Your question is, do they need to go to a clinician or a clinic three times a week? There are many answers to that question as there are people who are doing it. There are those who come into the clinic because the needs are so strong that not only do we have the home-based system, I also train people in a professional system that can be individualized. So sometimes someone will come to a clinic for maybe two or three weeks, at three times a week, we might say, and then they can be supplemented at home. Then they might be coming to a clinic once a week or every two weeks and having the home program do the rest of the treatment under their supervision. So it isn't necessary to even start at a clinic if a child has a relatively moderate uh, presenting problems such as a mild dyslexia, attention issues, focusing, uh, the entire treatment can be done at home. So by all means, this has been why I'm so excited about being able to have it more available and more affordable because the clinic program wasn't something that everyone could obviously take advantage of. You can you find... Oh, uh, uh, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to mention that people can find, listeners can find a therapist hopefully near them by going to the website uh, and then going to a practitioner locator and hopefully find someone in their area. And, you know, Chuck, and I didn't read all of the reviews, but in some of the reviews, one by um, Dr. Um, Lucy Jane Miller, um, you know, who we've had on before, you know, she, she had said that after an intensive short-term program <clears throat> is complete, that it can be continued at home, as, as several of the others have said, too. Um, you know, which is just such a great feature because, I mean, we just don't have the time. I mean, honestly, it's it's it, we're running around ragged all the time um, bringing these kids to different places. So um, knowing that that's an option is a great thing. You know, Chuck, how did you, um, what improvements um, were you looking for um, when you tried the Tomatis program? Well, the, the Tomatis program uh, was, uh, let's see, we, we did it about, I'm thinking 12, 13 years ago, and it was a whole. Um, at the time, uh, my therapist really didn't want to put a a label on Nick. So, you know, we were looking for um, more engagement. You know, through um, you know through this process, we we were just trying to get him to be a little bit more engaged with. Uh, you know, with me and with with other people as we were trying to do our floor time activities with him. Um, so yeah, that that's basically we're just looking for a little bit more engagement out of him. And do you find any um, improvement in that, um, Dr. Minson? By all means, it sounds like this child may have had uh, again. I do not like labels, but a neurological disorder with socializ socialization was a difficulty being engaged. Uh, yeah, I'm really glad, Chuck, that you mentioned this idea of engagement because so many times 
when children suffer from these disorders, the anxiety and stress that they feel, as well as the parents feel, leads to a kind of, um, how should I say, a strain on the relationship. And one of the early changes we see with this intervention is much closer bonding, bonding between mother and child, and child with the rest of family members and also socially. I don't know if that's what you meant by engagement, but to engage we have to have a certain degree of ability to participate in communication. So improving right. communication skills and just the affection, the, the affective component of closeness and bonding and nurture is enhanced by this program. Right. And um, Dr. Minson, we we haven't uh, touched upon this, but I wanted to make sure that we got this in because we spoke about this, like I said, you know, relating to my daughter. Um, there are also people that have problems with hearing. Um, you know, my daughter, from her head injury, has intense ear pain, and um, she has a constant noise that is literally driving her crazy. She, she's had it for two years now, um, and it sometimes it gets to a very high level that it's extremely painful. Um, you know, how does this system help with people that have, I, but it's called, I can't even think of the name of it, where they have the constant ringing in their ears or things like that. Is this effective for that, where their equilibrium is off? Well, you're mentioning two things. The, the constant ringing in the ears is called tinnitus. Some people say That's tinnitus. Right. And the equilibrium or balance being off is a different part of the ear that has to do with the vestibular system. So you're talking to cochlear probably for the uh, tinnitus. Our results with tinnitus have been generally favorable, particularly if the tinnitus, or the ringing in the ears, is a, flex, a variable tone, it's intermittent, then those respond very well. When there's been a head injury or a trauma, we have had success, but we've also had cases where there's been no improvement whatsoever, which obviously is very frustrating to me because I would like for it to help everyone. So some cases of tinnitus, unfortunately, do not improve. Okay, well, we're going to give it a shot. By all um, means, so, but the nice thing is there's no harm and no danger in doing so. Right, and you know what? I mean, when you have a child, um, for whatever reason, that's in physical pain for a very long time or emotional pain or frustrated, the depression is going to ensue. Uh, the depression, the, the loss of self-esteem. So, you know, if this system just helps with that, with the calming, you know, that that's one huge component. Um, tell us again where you can be reached. I can be reached through the Integrated Listening System. The uh, website for that is integratedlistening.com, and that has all of our contact information on there. Uh, we'd love to hear from anyone and everyone who is interested uh, to contact either me directly through that website or through the information that they can find on there. Um, I think that's it. Just go to the website. Uh, and also my email address is rminson at integratedlistening.com. Okay. And, you know, as I said when we started this, we have a lot of frustrated parents and a lot of parents that, you know, are hearing early intervention is key and, um, you know, are losing hope. So what would you say to those parents? Well, I first of all say to always maintain hope. I mean, it, it's easy to become hopeless in the face of trying many things that don't produce the results that we, we hope for or want. But early intervention is important. My daughter, when we did the Tomatis program together, was actually 19 years of age. I have had many, many people, adults 30, 40, 50, and older, who, depending on their presenting problem, have had major, major improvements 
or relief of symptoms, such as a, a mild traumatic brain injury, for example, or PTSD, or some mood and anxiety issues. There is no age limit to the opportunity to, to get help and to find improvement. The other thing that I didn't mention about one of the things I really like about ILS and what sets it apart from others is that it's the only system that I know of and program that combines listening with all of the movement, balance, coordination activities. No other program is doing that. I failed to mention there's also an interactive language program to help a speech, articulation, auditory memory, auditory processing. So there's a lot uh, to, to recommend it in that sense. All right, well... We thank you so much for creating this, and we really thank you for joining us. I've, I've really looked forward to this because I think that so many parents are looking for the alternative because what they're doing is just not working or it's not working enough. So thank you so much um, you know, for joining us and for giving us um, your, your experience with this. Well, Marianne, you're very welcome, and thank you for having me on your show. Oh, you're welcome. Um, Chuck, next um, Wednesday, instead of our chat, um, we have Christopher Waddle is going to be joining us. He's the president of the Waddle Group, and um, they are financial planners. They are special needs financial planners. And um, they're going to be joining us because I think many of us don't sleep at night um, thinking what is going to happen when we're gone. So he's going to come and he's going to tell us some things that we need to know, that we need to do now. Um, also coming up in the next few weeks is, um, you know, I don't know if people know this, but MetLife has created a special needs division. Um, and we have the head of that division coming on, and they're going to be talking about the torn security blanket and very important financial information that we need to know. So that's coming up Wednesday night. As we end each show, you are your child's best advocate. If not you, then who? Become an informed, educated parent. Thank you for joining us tonight on The Coffee Clutch.